Welcome to It's the ADHD Friendly Show, where we explore all things productivity, well-being, and living our best damn ADHD lives at home and at work. My name is Karen McGill. I'm a certified ADHD life coach, and I'm here to help you do life better. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, everyone. Happy Friday. I hope that you had a fantastic week. By the time you're listening to this, I'm probably standing in a completely empty house. (laughs) All of my furniture will have been removed. And uh, we'll be wrapping things up and heading out to Palm Springs for the next six weeks as our home gets a big facelift. There'll be a lot of stuff going on here. And then when we get back, I'm not entirely sure what happens. (laughs) We might go travel. We might stay here for a little while. We might move out of the state entirely. We're looking at a few different options. And funny enough, I was reflecting on this this morning. I am somebody who needs a plan and I need a lot of assurance that the plan is going to happen, which of course life doesn't work that way, but (laughs) I still need it. So I thought it was really interesting that we're about to embark on a, a big change in life and I don't feel weirded out about it at all. And I think that part of it is just being so excited for the next chapter. But I also think another part of it is Knowing what's most important to me right now, what's most important to me is my health, the health of my family, being connected to friends and having new experiences and continuing to do my work no matter what. Those are the things that are really important to me right now. So where I do all of that is less important than the fact that I'm doing all of that. And I think that's a big aha moment for me that as long as the most important things are taken care of in this life, then it really doesn't matter about the smaller details. So I'm excited for what's to come. I think of my life in five-year chunks. We're entering this new chunk of time, and I have nothing but gratitude for all of the chunks that I've already lived and the fact that I'm still here. I've got my health. I've got my family. I've got the people around me that I love, and I get to do more chunks. And that is a very cool thing. So on that note, I'm going to get onto the podcast. But before I do, I want to leave you with two questions that ask the same thing, but mean very different things. The first question is, have I worked hard enough to deserve a break? And the flip side of that question is, have I rested well enough to do great work? And that is the vibe I am taking into this next chunk of life, to rest well enough and long enough that I can show up and do amazing work. So on that note, let's get on to the podcast. So every once in a while, I put out there for my readers and listeners to ask me anything about ADHD, and I get great questions. And this one in particular was fun. So I wanted to share it with you because I think that no matter what age you are, if you have ADHD, it's going to apply to you. So the question was, what would you tell your 21-year-old self about living the best life you can with ADHD? And there are so many things that I would tell my younger self, but I'm going to limit it to the five things that I think would make the most impact. And of course, these things would have a great impact on anyone, regardless of neurodiversity. 
but I think it's really important for folks with ADHD to really hone in on these things because this is what's going to help you to have the best life possible. Number one is finding your people. What do I mean by that? When you have ADHD, you tend to be a little bit extra sometimes, or maybe you're a little disassociative or you don't pay attention and you're forgetful. All of that mixture adds a spiciness to our relationships in life. Add to that rejection-sensitive dysphoria, where if we feel or perceive rejection, it can take us down like 10 times more severely than the average neurotypical person. Because of all of these things, we have a tendency to mask. That means we might be extreme people pleasers. We might say yes when we really mean no. We might say yes to things that we can't possibly follow through on or deliver. Or we may change or hide aspects of ourselves to appear more likable and more acceptable. And the reason we do this is because we fear that sense of rejection. And the problem with that is when you don't show who you truly are to the people that come into your life that are going to have a significant role in your life, then you end up being somebody else for a long period of time to avoid being rejected. But at some point down the line, that mask is going to fall off and the true person's going to come forward and that person's not going to know who that is and you're going to get rejected anyways. So better that you get rejected earlier in a relationship than 20 years of invested time into being something that you're not, where you're now depressed and anxious and still getting rejected. And I'm not suggesting that you are always going to be rejected. You are absolutely not. But if you accept that fear that the rejection might come and you have tools to cope with it, then you are going to set yourself up for a much better life. Because if you can find a partner who loves you for who you are and maybe a best friend, like if you can find that in your whole life, then you are lucky. A lot of us go through life not even finding that, but never give up on trying to find those people. And you're probably going to find them in neurodivergent circles because they're going to be more like you and perhaps a little bit more forgiving. But always do your best to be your authentic self. Show up as you are. And in those moments when you feel a perceived or real rejection, this is what I like to tell myself. I can only be me because that's all you can be. You can try to be somebody else, but that's a disaster long term. You can only ever be you. So let yourself be you. When you're dating, when you're in situations where you might be meeting a new best friend, let yourself be your quirky self and let things evolve as they are supposed to. Don't spend your life trying to be a square peg fitting into a round hole. Just go find other square holes and it will take so much pressure off you. The quirks that make you you are the things that make you special. So don't hide them. They're going to make people fall in love with you. Some people. It might make other people not like you at all. That's okay. Bless and release, man, and go on with your beautiful self. Find your people. The next thing I would have told my 21-year-old self is to never stop looking for meaning and purpose, but not expect it to come out of the sky like a bolt of lightning and hit you on the head. I spent the better part of my life assuming that my meaning and purpose was wrapped up in a job. And to some degree, it was, but more broadly, I was overlooking an opportunity for me to take the things that were true in my heart and my true curiosities and strengths and use them to solve a problem in the world. For example, my entire life, I have been interested in self-help, 
personal development, spirituality, all those great things. But I never really thought I could make a career out of it. So I spent the better part of my career in corporate. Now, I don't regret that. And I wouldn't necessarily tell my 21-year-old self to do something different because I learned a lot about resilience and doing things you don't want to do. And I made enough money that now in my 50s, I can do things I want to do and I don't need to worry about money, right? Because if you want to make a career out of a passion that isn't very lucrative very early on in life, then you have to accept that you're prioritizing passion over money. Money might come, but that doesn't always happen. So you have to accept that doing something because it's in your heart is more important than financial security. When I look at my values, financial security is a big one for me. So I don't regret my time in corporate and saving up enough money to be able to do this and still feel financially secure. So I wouldn't tell my 21-year-old self to do anything differently. However, I would have encouraged my 21-year-old self to always be looking for opportunities to solve real-world problems using my skill set and interests. So for example, now that I have been diagnosed with ADHD, I'm sharing all of my lived experiences along with my certification training and my psychology background and my interest in spirituality to share my tidbits of knowledge, which are not gonna be helpful for everyone, but it's gonna be helpful for some. And that brings me a lot of meaning and purpose. Now, I'm not making near as much money as I was in corporate, but that's okay because I financially put myself in a position where I can optimize for meaning and purpose. So what I'm saying there is, Ask yourself the right questions at 21. What am I interested in? What are my skills? What do I value? What's most important? And what do I need to feel safe in the world? And if financial security is one of those things, then don't necessarily assume that your passion had to be your career starting out at life. But that doesn't mean that you can't explore opportunities in your spare time as a side hustle. And don't go into it with the expectation that it needs to replace your salary. It might at some point, but if what you're trying to do is build more meaning and purpose in your life, then go after it because of that, but have a day job on the side. And the final thing that I'll say about meaning and purpose, specifically around ADHD, is that when your life lacks meaning and purpose, that is a fast track to self-destructive behaviors. So the more that you can find meaning and purpose in your life, the more you are going to feel confident and the more you're going to follow through on things that you start and build a level of self-integrity that will serve you throughout your entire life. Rescuing dogs has become one of the most meaningful things in my life. So don't conflate a paycheck with meaning and purpose and never stop looking for meaning and purpose. It's hidden in the darkest days that you'll go through in your life. Trust me on that one. The next thing I would have advised my 21-year-old self to do, and she did okay with this, but there was a lot more she could have done in retrospect, was to really embrace personal finance. And I know you probably are rolling your eyes right now, especially if you're terrible at math, as I am. But personal finance has very little to do with math. It's all about psychology, about why you buy things, what you're going after in life, understanding your needs and values and what's most important to you in order to feel fulfilled and satisfied and content with your life. And of course, understanding how to invest money, which at the end of the day is not nearly as complicated as it might come across as. Spending less than you earn and putting at least 10%, ideally 20 to 25% 
in long-term savings, taking advantage of things like 401ks and RSPs. I wish I had done more of that early on in my life because I was broke as a joke and I had a ton of limiting beliefs around money. So I wish I knew then what I know now because it would have given me the ability to lean into purpose and meaning and creative pursuits a lot earlier than I had the ability to. But you live and learn and no matter what your age is, you are never too young or too old to embrace financial literacy. And a couple of my favorite resources for leaning into personal finance, Quit Like a Millionaire and Wealthy Barber. Those are Canadian authors and some of the tactics are specific to Canada, but the storylines are universal. So I highly recommend those to anyone. If you're here in the U.S., I also recommend The Simple Path to Building Wealth by J.L. Collins. That's more focused on U.S. investing, but again, his principles are universal. And also The Psychology of Money, which is just a game-changing perspective on our behavior around money. I will link to those books below, or you can grab them from your local library. But definitely give yourself the gift of understanding personal finance, because it will give you a lot more freedom to make better choices for yourself throughout your life. But when you get to your 50s and 60s and 70s, it's going to be even more important, especially from an ADHD perspective, because you might need more medical support or emotional support. You pay an ADHD tax throughout life, which is just the reality of things. So the more you can learn to be smart with your money, the less of that tax you're going to pay. And most importantly, it's going to give you a nest egg that will give you the freedom to say no to things that are not for you or that work against your ADHD brain and to say yes to things that are aligned to you and the way your brain works. The next thing I would have told my 21-year-old self, except she figured this one out all on her own, and I'm so proud of her for that, and that is committing to a lifelong healthy lifestyle will be the number one gift you can give yourself if you have ADHD or not. We have so much research-backed evidence at this point that healthy lifestyle habits are as effective, if not more effective, at treating ADHD and comorbid conditions like anxiety and depression than medication. So taking medications is great, but having a regular workout routine, having good sleep habits, eating a proper diet, staying hydrated, and managing stress, all of these things combined will make your ADHD symptoms so much more manageable. And if you're sitting there saying, I don't have the time, the money, or the resources, you can't not afford to take care of yourself. Find yourself a YouTube workout. Go outside for runs and walks in nature. Go to bed at a decent time and always have a big water bottle nearby and be taking sips out of it. And practice meditation. These things don't take a lot of time and they don't have to cost anything. You just have to decide that it's important enough that you will start making slow and steady change. You have to find your own way towards this. But as a 21-year-old, I learned very early on that the better I took care of myself, the better I felt. And the better I felt, the better decisions I made, and the better quality of life I had. I didn't know I had ADHD at the time, but I knew enough to know that taking care of myself had massive positive impact on my life, and it will for you too. And the last thing I would have told my 21-year-old self is to adopt a growth mindset. A growth mindset is someone who says, I can't yet instead of I can't. And that one word difference can mean everything about the quality of your life now and in the future. If you argue for your limitations, they are 100% yours 100% of the time. 
So if you put a comment below this video saying, I can't do X, you're absolutely right. And I will not argue with you. But if you say to me, I can't do X yet, my question to you is, well, what can you do at this point that will move you in that direction? That direction being whatever it is you want for yourself in the future. So having a growth mindset means that you dwell in solutions instead of problems. It means that even though you can't do something now, it doesn't mean that you can't do something down the line. It means that you always know that there's more to come and that the best is yet to come because you're in control of that. So if you want to learn more about a growth mindset, I would recommend Carol Dweck's book. She's the researcher that came up with this theory, and it is incredibly powerful and so important for ADHDers. Because again, I've said this before, we have to stay in positive emotion. If we get into negative spirals, it is so hard to get out of it. So I'm not saying be Pollyanna or to lie to yourself, but having a growth mindset has nothing to do with that. It's just an openness and a willingness to keep trying things until you find what works for you. And ultimately, when you keep doing that, along with all of the other things that I recommended about what I would tell my 21-year-old self, you will build the most beautiful, authentic, perfect for you life that you could possibly imagine. So I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not saying that you will completely avoid pain and travesty in your life. But if you can focus on these things, you will build resilience and the ability to show up for whatever comes at you because you know exactly what's important. You have a lot of meaning in your life. You're taking care of yourself. You've got a little bit of money in the bank and you found your people. So I hope something in this inspired you to take action in your own life. And if like me, you're no longer spring chicken, I would love to know what you would tell your 21-year-old self that the rest of us can learn from. Thanks for watching, guys, and I will see you in the next video. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. For links and resources for this podcast, please visit itsadhdfriendly.com or click the link in the show description. Please also be sure to subscribe so you get automatic updates when new shows are posted. And of course, please do leave us an ADHD-friendly review. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.